Captain on deck! Greetings from inside the simulacra. This is Captain Hicks, and uh, we're going to go down an adventure that, that you know, I, I usually do things that are more current, and but because we have a situation where there's a constant inundation of messages and themes versus good plots, good good stories, good storytelling, good characters, I'm forced to go back uh, in time. And so the other day I, you know, was buying some older movies and I ran across Adaptation. Now, Adaptation was one of those movies I watched way back when. I watched this 20 years ago. Probably, I didn't watch it in the theaters. I watched it you know, I think it was shortly after because I was a fan of um, some of Charlie Kaufman's other work. So I I had, uh, you know, I mean, I, I had a mixed feeling uh, about Charlie Kaufman and the Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. I really enjoyed that. I didn't know that that was one of his. And then uh, Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. I think I saw that. Uh, before I had seen Adaptation. And then being John Malkovich, I really, I liked it until I didn't. I liked, I liked most of that. And it just got a little too bizarre for me, but I liked a lot of it. So Adaptation was one of those things. I think I only watched part of it. I, I think I had a hard time seeing Nick Cage in that light. And I think I had a real hard time with Chris Cooper's no teeth. And I know I had a hard time with Meryl Streep because I just, I am not a Meryl Streep fan. Never have been. I've always thought that she's pretty overrated. I did rewatch, uh, or I watched, I haven't watched it so long, The Deer Hunter. She was pretty good in The Deer Hunter. She was actually far better when she was younger. But I, I have not cared for, you know, many of Meryl Streep's films. But after watching Adaptation, and it's so nice. You know, it's kind of like when you go back and watch some of these movies from the past, you have a renewed appreciation for storytelling, and especially script writing. I think one of the things that is by far the most lacking today is script writing. And I think I, I uh, I've read about this, and I've I've talked to people, and I've 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 uh, listened, gleaned knowledge from others. But one of the things is, you know, now that we have the preponderance of the population being Gen Z and millennials, quite a few millennials are writing these stories now. And the thing is, a lot of millennials haven't lived with strife, with frustration with as 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 a whole i know some have but as a whole as a generation z and millennial have had it pretty easy uh up until covid right i mean everything kind of changed to covid but um because of that a lot of people are saying that they just don't have the life experience that a lot of 
the baby boomers or Gen X or uh, yeah Gen X have had uh, with well Gen X you say what what did Gen X have well we had shitty parents <laughs> we had absentee parents you know we didn't have and 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 but then we've overcompensated with the helicoptering and so what we have in modern storytelling one of the you know litany we could probably list ten to twenty problems with modern storytelling modern filmmaking but one of the things is that there's just not a lot of strife and complexity in the storytelling. And so when you run across a Charlie Kaufman, which Charlie Kaufman has to be uh, in the top 20 um, modern, and I'm saying modern, post, post-millennial, uh, millennium, 21st century writers, I think, you know, I mean... There's a lot of good ones. I, I pulled up a list here. You know, Aaron Sorkin, he's excellent. You know, Billy Wilder, old time. But like Tarantino, um, um, Woody Allen, Oliver Stone, a genius. Paul Thomas Anderson, absolutely. Uh, James Cameron, Mel Brooks. All, Joe, oh, the Coen brothers. Joel Coen, tremendous. John Hughes, he's pretty niche, but excellent. Uh, Peter Jackson, George Lucas, you know, some of the greats, Cameron Crowe, uh, gosh, what a, what a, you know, what a career he had. I mean, he wrote, he wrote, uh, you know, fast times. He started with fast times. Um, one of the greatest is David Mamet, David Mamet, gosh, the edge. Oh gosh. Sexual perversity in Chicago. Uh, you know, just so many things he did just so well. Um, but Charlie Kaufman with being John Malkovich, even though there's parts of that I didn't like, and I had to rewatch that. It was genius. Uh, uh, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind, that was genius. That was brilliant. Um, some of his other stuff I have not, you know, I need to go. I'm going to, I'm going to watch. I'm thinking of ending things. I am. I try to, uh, I try to watch that one. Um, Sinaki of uh, New York, that that just didn't work for me. Uh, there's just some things in here. I'm fascinated that he was a writer on the Dana Carvey show. That was a lot of people don't understand what a what a interesting show that was. There there was a great documentary I think on Hulu. Was it Hulu? One one of the streaming services did a great documentary about that show. Anybody attached to that show, there was a lot of talent and it just didn't work. But adaptation. First of all, Nick Cage. Nick Cage is one of the greatest of all time. You know, when it comes to body of work, length length of service, you know, you 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 go all the way back to like 83 with uh Valley Girl. He had a small part in Fast Times. You know, Rumblefish, come on, Racing with the Moon, Birdie. I just rewatched Birdie the other day. I mean, he just had so many, Moonstruck, Raising Arizona. I mean, Wild at Heart, just so many good movies. And he just had a run of films. And then he got more into the action stuff with The Rock and Con Air and Face Off, Snake Eyes. I mean, he had a big run of action films. Um, coupled with City of Angels, which I, I love that movie. Scott in 60, 60 Seconds. He just did so many action films. But right around this time, National Treasure, 
Matchstick Men, an adaptation, was, I think, peak Nick Cage. Um, I think really when it got to about, and that was like 2000, four, five, three, four, five. And I think that's right around the time he got, he had the BK and he was, he, he got, uh, robbed of, uh, his action comics. Number one, I, I know there was a documentary done about that. And then also that's right around the time he lost the, uh, he was going to do the Tim Burton Superman movie, which they kind of integrated in the flash movie. So just that was a really interesting time, but that was peak Nick Cage. And I think peak, peak Nick Cage of that period is adaptation uh, to play Charlie Kaufman, who's balding and, and, and overweight. And then to play his brother, who's a fictitious brother. Uh, I, I found that to be just fascinating. Uh, you know, playing those two roles, that, that's, that's very difficult. And that, Charlie Kaufman actually wrote that and gave credit to Donald Kaufman, which was a fictitious twin brother. And that was on the Academy Award before the Academy Awards. It was listed, Charlie and Donald Kaufman. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, The story within the story, you know. But, you know, when you look at what Charlie Kaufman was doing, that was a real situation where he was hired to adapt a book called The Orchid Hunter, right? That was actually something that happened. And he was struggling with it so hard that to adapt that book, that's when he came up with this fascinating way of integrating himself into the story and then... The writer of the novel, uh, uh, Susan Orlean, and then John LaRoche into the story. And, uh, you know, I, I think this may be one. It's I'm not going to say, you know, the greatest, the best, you know, but it is one of the most original screenplays ever written. It's just so fascinating on so many levels. And Nick Cage playing it at the very at, at the top of his game, such a role departure. I think the closest thing he did at that time was kind of what he did in Moonstruck, suffering, you know, that that suffering character in Moonstruck. But uh, tremendous cast in in uh, uh, adaptation. Also, having the segments where Charlie Kaufman is on set filming um, being John Malkovich and having John Cusack in there and... Uh, uh, Kathleen Kerner and, um, you know, and then just, you know, having, having, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal in there. And it's just, it's just so delightful. But what really hit me, hit home to me on this was that now we're having all these issues in all different forms of creativity, uh, games, video games, and comic books, and movies, television, film, and where we're having the writers self-insert. This self-insert problem has really gotten to hypercritical mass now, where I know in the latest Spider-Man game that the gal that designed the game, she inserted herself, like everybody's like, 
why does Mary Jane look kind of frumpy and not really that hot? I mean, Mary Jane was a smoke show, Scooby snack, you know, Jessica Rabbit, right? And then there's like, why is she a frumpenmeister, you know? And it's like, oh, because the game designer self-inserted. Like, there was this rant by a, um, a comic book store um, owner the other day. It's like, why are all these people inserting themselves, the writers inserting themselves into the comic books? Why are we having the version of the writer as Thor or, or you know, Captain America or who, whatever the character is? Why can't we just have you know, the, you know, Steve Rogers be Captain America. It doesn't have to be the writer being Captain America. And I think it comes down to the whole Lego um, study where they did a study on how boys play and how girls play. I'm not going to get into the whole thing. I could do that another time. But the interesting, uh, you know, takeaway from the study was that when girls play, they don't take on the role they insert themselves into the role. So if instead of playing like Black Batman would play, like Bruce Wayne or Batman, they play like, you know, Jane Doe, Mary Sue being Batman. So Batman becomes Mary Sue. And so I say this because of adaptation, which the genius of Charlie Kaufman doing what he did with this story almost did a disservice to the film industry. And I say this, it's kind of like Steph Curry. Steph Curry is the greatest three-point shooter ever to live. Shooter, period, ever to live. And so what happened is it kind of ruined the NBA because everybody started jacking up these threes. And they don't have the talent level of Steph Curry, who is just pure magic from outside. A three-pointer for him is a layup for most people, right? Most NBA pros. So where Charlie Kaufman is a genius and he self-inserts himself into in a, in a beautiful way because he was struggling adapting the, 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 uh, the Orchid Hunter story. And then he decided to insert himself and he did just a masterful, brilliant job. Because of that, now we're seeing all these hacks, all these mediocre people that haven't had life experience that and that are narcissists, right? They're sociopath narcissists. And so they're inserting themselves in the story because Charlie Kaufman did it in 2002 with adaptation. It's just a theory of mine, but... I think it makes sense. Now, not a lot of people saw adaptation. I looked at the numbers here. 22 million domestically, 10 million internationally. It didn't really appeal internationally. $32 million. Now, that's far better because, you know, if you you know, factor in inflation, it's far better. But bottom line, not a lot of people see it. But it's in the zeitgeist, right? Maybe the 100 monkey syndrome. So that... But, you know, just performance for performance, Meryl was great. I'm not a big Meryl fan, but she was great. Chris Cooper was a genius. I think he was nominated. Tilda Swinson, she's never a Swinton. She's always good. Always good. Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal had a great role in that, and I love Maggie Gyllenhaal. Even Rob Livingston, he, he, gosh, he looked young in that. He looked very, I mean, that had to be not that long after uh, Office Space. So tremendous cast. 
and the script to be able to adapt, create a twin of yourself, have totally different personalities, have, you know, a successful screenwriter that is struggling and then seeing his brother becoming a screenwriter who's doing a formulaic screenwriting. Now, this is where it leveled up for me. Not only did he do the self-insertion and then this masterful struggle with adapting a real story with a real writer, uh, with a real character, John LaRouche, and then he makes imaginary brother, twin brother, but then he inserts Robert McKee. Now, if anybody has ever tried to write a script they are probably going to come across Robert McKee. Robert McKee, I used to think um, um, that, you know, the the uh, the story, Who Stole My Cat? I thought that, or uh, Save the Cat, Save the Cat, was the preeminent um, script writing book. And it, it is a brilliant book. Um, but the preeminent um, master of how to write a script for the layman is Robert McKee. And, uh, you know, I read his dialogue book first, which blew my mind. And then, and then I, I got, I, I read all of his stuff. I read action, I read character and story. Story is all over adaptation because his brother, Donald is trying to write a, a script and, um, he's using Robert McKee stuff. So to have that all woven in that kind of, um, legitimizes what Charlie's doing about self-inserting. Because when you mention Robert McKee, he is the masterclass genius of teaching people how to write scripts. And to insert him, and then Charlie gets helped by him, and then have Robert McKee played by Brian Cox, the great Brian Cox. I mean, it was just the... That was the best casting. If you've ever listened to Robert McKee do uh, an audiobook, um, and then to, to see Brian Cox playing him is just the perfect pairing. So, um, and so many levels. And then, and then the suggestions that Robert McKee gives him to finish the script, and it really all worked. It really worked for me. And so I got to say, thank you, Woke Hollywood, because what it did is it forced me to go back in time and look at this film that I wouldn't have if, you know, storytelling was still, you know, at the uh, penultimate level in America. Uh, but now I went back and what a gem, what a gem. Um you know, five stars, and I think it's literally propelled for me. Charlie Kaufman is in the top 10 script writers of all time in my book. What a genius. And uh, I can't recommend enough to, to go back and watch this. I will have to watch this again and take notes. But never forget to... Open your eyes. Mm -hmm.